good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Southern California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it's about to rain here. And I'm Seth Rodney. I'm a senior editor at the Hyperallergic Online blog, and I am coming to you from Newburgh, where it's not about to rain, um, but it's kind of hazy and quiet, and I like that. Uh, This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Uh, And I don't know what today's topic is going to be. So Seth had uh, (laughs) asked us last week if if he he had an idea for the podcast that he wanted to just sort of um, spring on us and then just sort of see, you know, kind of where the conversation goes. So Seth, (laughs) please, what are we talking about today? Well, the situation arose when I first moved in um, that was initially super troubling and then seemingly went away. I'm not sure why it went away, but I'll just explain what happened. So I moved into Newburgh on July 6th, mm-hmm. uh, just, yeah, just a month ago. Um, uh, and I think I was here for maybe two or three nights when I noticed at around 10 o'clock at night and later, mm-hmm. going towards 11, 11.30, I would hear really, really loud hip-hop being played. Hip-hop and variations on the theme being played from across the street, like directly across the street from me. And, mm-hmm. and the first night I looked out and I saw a guy with one of those huge um, uh, speakers, not boom boxes, but speakers that clearly are Bluetooth to his like phone. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has one one of those like contra- uh, 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 pieces of equipment that that um, it looked like it was kind of built for like an outdoor f- festival because it had a, a sort of inside colored ring that would sort of mm-hmm. ir- iridesce as the music mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. played. Light up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, the first night I saw, I saw this happening, I was like, what is going on? And I kind of looked out the window and looked around to see if my neighbors were, like, poking their heads out, thinking, okay, if they're used to this, and I guess this is a normal occurrence, but I didn't, I was like, this is, it's 10.30 at night, and it's super, mm-hmm. it's super loud, right? Mm-hmm. Super loud. So I, I thought, well, I just moved in here. Let me just, let me just. Get the lay of the land. Exactly, sort of before I, I try to act. Mm-hmm. So I think it happened maybe, um, I think it happened again the next night. And I was sitting at this desk trying to work on something. And it, and it came, the music came at me like a wave. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I looked out the window again, put up the blinds, looked out the window. And I thought, I saw this guy out there. And I was like, okay, I can't, I cannot live like this. This is crazy. So I got my stuff on, got outside, walked across the street and said, hey, how you doing? I just want to introduce myself. I'm your neighbor. I just moved next door, um, across the street, actually. And Mm -hmm. I told him my name. And I said, hey, I just want you to know that I'm a writer. So the way that I make my living, the way that I keep a roof over my head is I write. And sometimes I write Mm -hmm. at night. And it's really difficult to do so when you're out here with the the music booming. Um, and it's kind of late, and I and he's like, oh, 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 uh, okay, well, um, 
well, I'm out here with my son, and he had a child in a in a in a in a baby carrier um, next to him. I'm out here with my son because you know music puts him to sleep. I'm like, I, that, that <laughs> just, sorry. I just kind of I just kind of had a moment of cognitive dissonance where that didn't make any sense to me, so I just didn't deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. And we said something else to each other, and then I said, and I said, you know, to be clear, like blah 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 blah. Um, I forget what I said. And he said, well, you don't need to say that. It's to be clear, I I understand what you're saying. I said, oh yeah, I suppose that's a rhetorical device. I don't, I can get rid of. And and I went on to saying what I was going to say. And and he heard rhetorical device, and he got up, and he got within like a foot of me, not wearing a mask or anything. I wasn't wearing mm. a mask. He got within a foot of me. He's like, yeah, what'd you say? And <laughs> and he leaned into me in that way that was like black male aggressive kind of like what are you are you trying to mm-hmm. say something to like mm-hmm. you know make me feel like I don't know what I'm talking about kind of thing and I was like no 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 I just I was checking myself I was saying that's a rhetorical device I don't need fine whatever so we went on talking and I said um, blah, blah blah this is my situation and he said you know I do some writing too I do writing and I, I said okay and mm-hmm. uh, I said, you know, I just want you to be mindful of me and your neighbors. And he's like, why are you talking about my neighbors? Ain't nobody complained but you. Nobody ever complained. And I said, well, okay, fine. We can leave the neighbors out of it. Let it just be me. And he's like, no, no, but you come in here and you're like trying to lie and say that my neighbors or whatever. And I said, I, I, I'm not lying. I didn't, I didn't accuse you of disturbing your neighbors. What I'm saying is that I'd like you to be mindful. And he's like, yo, will you... Will you but you can't, something like you, you, the first thing you do is you come over here and you start lying about blah, blah, blah. And, I, and at that point, I think, okay, this is not, this is going south. And he starts to get more and more angry and he keeps looking at me and glancing at me like in an aggressive way. And, I'm, and I keep making eye contact with him like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. get it. And at some point, he just looks at me with his anger and I just say, okay, I got to look away. I look away and I start rubbing my chin because I think oh, I don't know what to do at this point. And he's like, "Yo, are you rubbing your chin like you like you like you want to get into something? Like you want to get into something? Because I can take my my son upstairs and we can get into something." And I'm like, "Dude, I didn't come across the street to fight you. This is not what this is about. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. wanted to make it clear that I am across the street and I and I." Really need peace and quiet at night. And mm-hmm. something else was said, and I was like, clearly this is not going to go anywhere. So I was like, okay, all right, take care, have a good night. And I walked away. Oh, at some point I should mm-hmm. mention, some point in the conversation, he said that I was being, um, it sounded like I was being, what was the word he used? Um, not condescending, but um, something like that. It wasn't mm-hmm. condescending, but it was close. It was like, um, it was a P word. It was like you're being per. per Pedantic? No, not pedantic, um, but something like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm not, actually. This is just the way I speak. This is how I speak. Uh, and he said, Do, did you go to college? <laughs> I said, and again, I, I managed to keep it together, and I didn't laugh. And I said, yeah, I went to college. He said, well, I went to college, too. And, and uh, I know when somebody's being, oh, what is, I don't know what the word was. Ah, I can't think of it. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, the, sum, the, sum, the essence of the of this part of the story is that the interaction did not go well. 
um, did not go in <laughs> no, the way. No, didn't, no, it didn't go the way I didn't think all. you have to say no. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So he was he was out there, kept playing the music, and I just thought, okay, well, I guess the, the only option open open to me is to just call the cops. So I called it and found a number to the local precinct, called him up, and said, okay, okay, here's this deal. Just spoke with this guy across the street. I don't know why he's playing music at like 10:30 at night, but he is, mm-hmm. and he's playing it really loudly. And um, I gotta, I gotta go work, and then I gotta sleep at some point. Um, the sleep, actually, the sleep sink situation wasn't so much a, a bother because, oh, it wouldn't be so much an issue because my bedroom is way back there, so the mm-hmm. music wouldn't wouldn't penetrate. I don't think. And mm-hmm. I, plus, I'd be up by, you know, I'd be up by the time he would have gone to bed. Um, but then I told her, the person who answered, I said, uh, look, here's the issue. And she said, well, yeah, you know, I don't know if there's much we can do, you know, um, with um, the whole jail situation. And I, and I said, what? And she said, well, you know, um, the governor is like letting everybody out of jail. <laughs> and I was like, um, okay. I, I'm not, I, I was confused. I wasn't sure what to say. I said, well, is there anything you can do? And he said, well, we can sit Is there anything short of imprisonment that you can do right. to, to help with the situation? Right. right. So he's like, oh, well, we can send a patrol Speaks car around. Speaks volumes. And, Speaks right. volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We can send a patrol car around, but, um, you know, this happens. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, we'll probably send one by and they'll probably turn it down and they'll probably turn it back up and we have to come back. And I was like, just, she said, well, just keep calling. I said, okay. All right, so that happened, then it happened the next... Oh, and by the way, when I spoke to the the gentleman across the street, he said, you know, uh, he ended the way he ended his part of the conversation was, you know, it don't matter, like, yo, the street, this is the streets out here, and the streets is loud, and it don't matter what you do, whether you, you know, ask me or, or call the cops or do whatever, you know, the streets is the streets, and it's, it's going to be like this. And I, and I think that's to the point at which I, I turned on my heel and I said, okay, have a good night. So this happened, and then the next night it happened again. So I called them again. And this time the person who answered said, yeah, well, you know, it's Newburgh. This happens a lot. And I said, okay, fine. But, you know, can you send someone around? And he said, yeah, yeah, we will, um, you know. Um, and, and if it happens again, you know, call us again. So that happened. And then the next night I heard nothing. And then the night after that I heard nothing. And and by the way, I didn't see any police presence. I didn't see, I, I yeah, didn't have, have a whiff of any um, uh, what you call sirens or anything, or see any blinking lights. Like none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so two more nights, three more nights, nothing. And then I had to go to the Rite Aid pharmacy, which is up Broadway. Um, it's about a five minute drive, I guess, less. Um, and I was waiting in, in the queue to get my prescription. And there was a black woman ahead of me um, in the queue. And she was arguing with the two pharmacists um, behind mm-hmm. the, um, the, um, the desk. And she said something like, yo, you don't understand what I'm saying. Like, he don't have no possessions. The cop took all his possessions. So we can't, we can't blah, 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 blah. So I'm assuming that she was saying that she, she didn't have identification from, I guess, her partner to pick up um, medication because mm-hmm. the cop, quote, unquote, took all his possessions. So I only mentioned this to say that it's this odd confluence of coincidences but it made me think what if the cops did come by and somehow Mm -hmm. for whatever reason like 
had to take all this guy. Because since then, I haven't even seen it. I think I saw him once like or twice out on the stoop, like just sitting down there. But the boom, the, the thing, the speaker thing is gone. Like he, and the music has not been happening at all since then. So um, it's a coincidence. And I don't, I don't I'm, you know, I, I have no idea what happened. But um, I had a conversation subsequently with a, an artist couple in Beacon who had invited me to come over and have drinks with them. And I mm. uh, briefly explained what the situation was. And I was like, you know, I didn't know what to do. So I like, had to call the cops. They were like, don't call the cops. You can't call the cops. And I was like, look, <laughs> what are my options? And, and I didn't get into a long argument with them, but I thought about it later. And I thought, this is a moment when um, calling the police on someone who is black is seen as a really, really problematic thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. But I want to mm-hmm. say, and, and this was really for myself too, to think through this, is like, what other options are there at this, like mm-hmm. in this moment, what other options are there? Because clearly talking, speak, trying to speak rationally to him and negotiate with him is like not going to go anywhere. Um, there's no one, there's like no neighborhood association that's just going to like, bring weight down on them or say, you know, what, I mean, you know, what are mm-hmm. the mechanisms? Um, and this has to do with, I suppose, um, the sort of politics of suburban and urban life in that there's a way in which the expectation is that someone in my position would not call the cops, right? Would find some other way around this issue. But I don't see what that other option would be. Um, and this is precisely the problem, I think, with the notion of defunding the police completely. Like, believe me, I think police need to be checked in very fundamental ways. Absolutely. Like we, sure. need to end, we need to end qualified immunity. And we need to put, I think, every, every single um, police jurisdiction should have a citizen review panel that is empowered to fire anyone um, in, in, in service to their municipality, who, who operates as an officer of the law. That said, what, what are my options at this point? Like if we roll the tape back, mm. right, and, and we go back to that moment when I just had the conversation, was, uh, uh, and I come back home, what, what, what do I do? Uh, Seth, was the word patronizing? Yes, that was it. He said okay. I was being patronizing. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Good call. Well, I'm, I mean, I do have something to say, but Stephen, you look like you're about to jump in. I just wanted to ask my question about the the word. Did you did you want to? I had jump a few in? questions and then um, a mm-hmm. comment about. I, I'll start with the comment, which is, "What are your options?" And I think so. It for me, it's the it's the context. So, is this a neighborhood mm-hmm. that's coming up? You talked a little bit about it before. I think mm-hmm. off the camera. So I'm wondering. <clears throat> I mean, mm-hmm. not on the um, podcast. So I was curious mm-hmm. about the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. In terms of coming up, and so mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. is that the the culture of the place? Well, so good question. It's changing. So Newburgh mm-hmm. used to be one of the most one of the sites of the most violent or the highest rates of violent crime in New York State. It okay. has been steadily decreasing in over the over the past few years. I had mm-hmm. uh, drinks with an artist here, Julie Tremblay, about. A week ago, maybe, and she told me that mm-hmm. when she first moved in here five years ago, that she bought a she and her husband bought a house that they renovated down on Grand Avenue mm-hmm. um, with, with Riverviews. They bought it for 
eighty-five thousand. And when she and she said when he was when she was when she first got here, like um, it was something like eight hundred vacancies. So the kinds of oh. boarded boarded up buildings that you sometimes see in Harlem or used mm-hmm. to see in Harlem, Stephen, before it really blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and you used to see in the in the South Bronx, like that's here in Newburgh. So there, depending on where you are in the in the city, it's mm-hmm. either really lovely and suburban and and mm-hmm. and pristine, or it's like super like that, like kids hanging out at night, late at night, um, mm-hmm. music booming, um, boarded up buildings, um, cars parked every which way. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People just really just kind of not know not having organized activities inside their, mm-hmm. their domiciles, but really out in the street. Um, so mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. neighborhood has, has been changing. My landlord himself um, told me uh, that when he bought the building, I don't remember, I don't know when exactly he did it, but he said, um, I wanted to move to Newburgh because I knew there was something like, you know, he knew there were opportunities here. He bought this building for $55,000, um, three-story <laughs> building, uh, um, with, a, with also a, he has a, the apartment in the basement um, a little bit of land outside and on the side and, um, mm-hmm. it's, and he you know, renovated and made it livable um, a lot of people are trying I think a lot of people are moving into Newburgh to do that I think okay. that a lot of them are probably Th- that is white. what you just described mm-hmm. and those prices are the definition of gentrification right yeah. I mean that is that's, I mean that is right. like you don't buy anything in New York State mm-hmm. for $55,000 that is you know that isn't a micro home in a field, right. <laughs> and not, I mean that—that that is, I mean, that's it's insane. A, that's a great question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm sorry, so, but Stephen, you said you had another. So, so like I, so like I mm-hmm. said before, Stephen, um, before with the podcast when we were talking last week, mm-hmm. Newark, Newburgh strikes me as a kind of city with like a smile with a lot of missing teeth, but the right. teeth are slowly mm-hmm. being worked on. Like they're they're definitely mm-hmm. dentists mm-hmm. at work. Mm-hmm. In Newburgh right now. <laughs> Apparently buying three-story buildings for $55,000. Yeah. Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think what I want to also ask you, how old was the guy? How old was he? Yeah. I I got the sense. It was dark, mind you. Mm-hmm. And I, um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was dark. Um, I would estimate in his 30s. He's definitely okay. not, he was definitely not like a 20-something um, and but he's definitely younger than me. So I was mm-hmm. hesitating to do the sociological, like <laughs> you know, take on this. Well, I was mm-hmm. writing down notes as you were going. It sounded like you were in a do the right thing film. You're the kid from mm-hmm. campus. You go into McDonald's or wherever Kentucky Fried Chicken. Somebody's you know better than the rest of us. That kind right. of thing. And I said, <laughs> I said, there's something else here that um, that I find that I want to just really say very quickly, um, Travis, and that is the your options, when you were asking what your options were, it took me back to Toledo. It took me back to Carla, myself, and my kid, Toledo, and how we moved once we got three extra dollars from, you know, whatever, whatever job we were doing. Because we were constantly thinking, not constantly thinking, but trying to find a better way to live. And a part of that better way to live was to get away from the music, get away from the hanging out. Mm-hmm. And one day I knew my kid had gotten it because we were here in New York City and we were walking past a bodega and he goes, I know why you you don't you want me to stay in school, you want me to be this and da da da. It's because you don't want me hanging out in a corner like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so 
as my kid gets older and he becomes a little bit more thought, uh, not thoughtful, sorry, kid, if you're listening, and he's not a kid, um, <laughs> he's a 24-year-old man, when he's willing to talk to me about those things because mm. my, my option was to run and to leave mm-hmm. because confrontation meant all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'd never cared for that. And then it was like, call the police on a, a black man, not mm. just right now, but anytime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it's just the volumes turned up a little bit more and now we've got more press around it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and more on um, media. So same thing. Um, so I thought about it. I was like, what are your options? What are your options? And I, I thought what you did was really, you know, hello, sir. I'm the neighborhood across the street and I would like to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to appeal to you, mm-hmm. you know, because because, and I, I want to send you guys this article around what ha- what's happening to the um, common good. Like, what's mm-hmm. good for the whole entire neighborhood? Mm-hmm. And I think that so many things have come in to sort of disrupt not just the idea of that, but it's become very much a, well, the streets is the streets. I'm like, are you reading rap records? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the streets are the streets. Are you reading the rap records from the 80s? You know, right. like, right. you know so it's, right. it's noisy. I'm like, I went to college too. If you went to college... Not saying that you would have gotten a better job, but maybe you would be a lot more exposed to different kinds of ways of being. Because right. I really you just don't know with so little information about a person, right? Right. But right. the fact that something so ridiculous would come out of his mouth around um, his kid liking, no, you just like your music loud. Right. Leave the kid out of it. The kid right. can't. The kid probably can't sleep. I'm sorry. Right. Right. Because that of makes the music. no sense. Right. And you're probably damaging their hearing. Right. If you're listening to it at that so volume. many things. So right. many goddamn things. So many goddamn things. So. So, so this, you know, I actually, I really appreciate the the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I am, I mean, uh, uh, let me, let me front load everything by saying, uh, I'm really sorry that you just moved into your new apartment and this is your welcome. <sighs> yeah. uh, that really sucks. Yeah. Or part um, of your welcome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Part of it. Yeah. 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 yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, you know, that, that was, that was a significant part of what meeting your new neighborhood looked and felt like, um, that's rough. I'm sorry. Um, and I also get like the dilemma of like, you know, what do you do? And, you know, like, sort of what's an appropriate response. Um, you know, I, I think, I mean, I, I obviously see why you wanted to talk about it on the podcast. It's, it's a, it's a really, you know, this is the power of stories, right? Stories mm-hmm. can carry multivalences mm-hmm. and convey mm-hmm. a multitude of issues and problems mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, far more succinctly than, you know, Stephen, you had said like, you know, a sociological analysis, right. you know, so, you know, so yeah. Okay. So this is gentrification, but what does gentrification looks like? It looks like my, my best friend who slept on someone's couch for a year and a half, two years, and worked at a shitty gallery with an asshole as a boss. Yeah. That, like, that mm-hmm. struggled his way up to get to a place to be able to move to another city to mm-hmm. have a large enough apartment to actually mm-hmm. feel like a person. Mm-hmm. And you're going to boil all that down to a simple, like, dismissive, mm-hmm. judgmental mm-hmm. analysis of calling it gentrification. No one in the podcast is doing that, but mm-hmm. that is what would mm-hmm. be done if this were another format or another venue. Precisely. But that's that's not... And, and and how many other people around you in other apartments have that same story? And also this guy across the street, as Stephen's, you know, question kind of started to pry open, like, what neighborhood did he grow up in? Like, mm-hmm. what parents did he have saying, I don't want you standing on the corner? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe, who knows what his situation was that led him to 
that night to have that kind of interaction. And what if a fight had happened? Mm -hmm. Like, not just about, not physically what would have happened to you, but Mm -hmm. what would have happened to this person and their future and their Mm -hmm. kid? And then where does that kid go? Like, who's taking care of that kid? What, What impression does that leave on the kid? So the 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 sheer bewildering complexity right. of that little tiny yes. interaction yes. on the street yes right. and and i have to say that it, it my first response is like oh i'm really sorry Seth. and then it was anger that we would ever reduce any of the complexity of life to the bullshit narratives right. that mm-hmm. are absolutely like stupefying right. the American electorate. Right. They are literally like it, I, my wife and I were talking last week. Mm-hmm. It's like idiocracy with political par- parties, right? Like that's what the country feels like to me now. Like right. an idiocracy, it was a monoculture. Right. Well, we've got an idiocracy. It's biculture. It's a bicultural idiocracy at the, at the, the upper echelons of opinion making and mm-hmm. opinion setting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's frustrating. So yeah, it just it does feel like that. It feels like, and this is why I wanted to talk with you guys mm-hmm. about this because that's precisely right. Like these issues are super complicated, and mm-hmm. the problem is, I know I could go to a couple other human beings, or I, I could pick, uh, pick a couple people at random, people at my job, mm-hmm. people who I know in the arts community, and what I would get if I told them the story would be. In some cases, just judgment, just straight up like what oh, yeah. you did was wrong. You shouldn't be calling mm-hmm. no cops on nobody and gentrification, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And as a black man, you should know. You know, I can, I can just hear it. I can just, I, I can just mm-hmm. see the script playing out. Well, wouldn't there be other people on your side going, I would have done that. I probably would have called the cops and not even gone over there. Were there right. other folks like right. that in your right. circle too? I would, I'm, in, my, in my head, yes. There are other people in my circle that would absolutely do that. But they would be like, oh, well, that was you know, they would probably say to me, oh, that was courageous of you to actually, you know, try to mm-hmm. speak to him as a human being and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, I, think it's, I think it's incumbent on me to do that. Like, it's incumbent on me not to, to not have the knee-jerk response of, oh, well, let the cops take care of it. Like, no, I can, I can be a human being if he, if he can be a human being with me. Or sort but of be then cow- when I, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just thinking, you can't be cowed by, <laughs> like, you can't be cowed by what you think sometimes- exactly. Exactly. Is going to turn out to be a bad situation because right. I've seen it. I've seen things similarly issues or whatever where two people are coming from two points of view, and they mm-hmm. work it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not a Hallmark film. It's in real life. It's because someone right. took mm-hmm. the time out to speak to someone. Now the mm-hmm. the way that you describe the guy, a lot of defenses up. Yep. Don't talk to me this way. Yep. Who are you to come yep. over and talk to me? That you know. Da da da. Right. What did you say? Yeah. All of right. that. So this guy yeah. to me, I was yeah, like. Yeah. I'm going to inhabit this guy today in my, my daily writing practice and mm. write it from his point of view. Mm. <laughs> what I mm. think. Because I would like we'll, to hear I would like to hear what he has to say about this. I really would. I would be I would love it yeah. if if, yeah. if the if the um if the windows could come down or the shades could yeah. go up a bit so you can see yeah. something. Mm. But yeah. masculine practice masculinity is and, and sort of a toxic masculinity can be yeah, exactly. very um hard to um exactly to, to, to like yeah. Shit, you cry like everybody else, motherfucker. What are you doing? You know, that kind right, of thing. You yeah. just right, get so frustrated yeah. because there's right. no... I used to say I like masculinity as a, an aesthetic, but not as a, as something that is at the heart. Like, it denies everything else. It's like, yes. we all know mm. you cry. Everybody cries. Knock yeah. it off. <laughs> right. Right. Well, there's a, ti- there's a time in the... I mean, 
just because you're not, you know, weeping like a buffoon, you know, because you stubbed your toe, right. doesn't mean that you don't understand that, you know, it doesn't right. mean that you don't understand that there is a, a spectrum of human reactions to things and that, you know, sadness and, and grief and everything can be experienced. So, you know, I mean, the, I think there are, I mean, you, you alluded to this and I think we agree. I think there is some actual value in a kind of stoic masculinity. Um, it's fun. just when the stoic ask, masculinity is, is wedded to a kind of performative aggression yeah like that, that it becomes that it becomes a real problem uh, unnecessary yeah. problematic i mean just a fucking mess you know it's like right. why right. you know and i think we all i mean all it's i think all three of us um now live in neighborhoods that we did not grow up in mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. i mean that you know mm-hmm. as a shorthand like mm-hmm. i you know i definitely the neighborhood i grew up in as a kid it would not at all be unusual for. I mean, it was boomboxes then, you know, right. big cassette tape boomboxes right. and right, things right. like that. Right. But but even then, a single person going out onto a quiet street with a boombox is not, or, or or a Bluetooth speaker in this case, is not doing so because the streets are the streets. Right. Like that's not what that that's not what that performance is about. Exactly. Uh, and, well, and well, so, I want to oh, put a bookmark in it very briefly and say that. In another podcast, I'd love to talk to you about my experience in Harlem, because mm-hmm. what you did for me, Seth, was to go, the stuff I've been talking about with people since COVID-19 or since the mm-hmm. recent uprisings mm-hmm. has been very, very, um, I've been here for 20 years and it's been, mm-hmm. I've had some interesting experiences here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Once again, this was a two-part conversation. You've just listened to part one of our discussion on suburbia and the middle class. Uh, We hope you'll join us next week for part two. Thanks very much.